I'll be in this one. The sun had just gone down and the waves were crashing against the shore and I could hear from the house. And so I went down to the shoreline and, and I couldn't see the waves like I could earlier in the day. They were still crashing. They were still making amazing sounds, but it was, it was very difficult for me to see them. And I didn't want to get too close because you know how those are. You know, every sixth or seventh one just comes washing up quite a bit farther than the last. And um, so I wanted to stay a little bit farther away. But as I stood there, the beauty and the awesomeness of the ocean just completely overwhelmed me. And the song that we just sang popped into my head. Oh God, you are my God. I love that song because the end of the song says, step by step, you'll lead me and I will follow you all of my days. I love that song. Oftentimes that song will pop into my head and you know what, it's funny because when that song pops into my head, it almost seems like God's calling. He's saying, you know what? I just need to, you to focus on me for a few seconds. I just need to renew, you, you to renew your commitment to me and ask you, that you follow. It seemed like this morning that the speed of each and every song that we sung was a little bit, the tempo was a little bit higher than normal. And I figured out why. Because the Broncos start at 11 o'clock today. Right? It's like, so we got to get done here so we can get home and watch the game, right? There's got to be priorities in this life. We're talking about faith. And, you know, oftentimes faith doesn't really do much for the Broncos. It does far less, however, for other teams. And we won't mention any names, but... That's right. We're talking about prayer and faith. The title of our message this morning is when, when faith don't work. And I know it's not proper English. I'm not a proper preacher, so, you know, why, why, why be proper about it? Have you ever had that time in your life, though, when, when God sort of disappointed you? Maybe it was your team that lost. Maybe it, was, maybe it was something that you really needed and really wanted, and, and God just didn't come through with it. Maybe it was something that you wanted to go away. Maybe it was an illness or a sickness or that zit that popped out the day before school pictures. God, make this go away. It kind of feels like faith don't work sometimes. Have you ever prayed that God would give you that one super cute girl that sat across from you in fourth grade? Yeah, me either. That would be silly. Her name was Courtney. She was a beautiful blonde girl that moved in from California. She was short like me, which was rare. We had a girl that was almost six foot when I was in fifth grade. She was pretty close to that in, in fourth grade. But of course, she chose to go out with Carlos Morales. <laughs> he wasn't much taller than me, but he was much wider than me. Yeah, that's the moment in time. That's the moment in time when I stopped believing in God. <laughs> Sounds silly, doesn't it? 
But I think people in the same type of situation often, often come to that same conclusion. If God doesn't help me like I want him to, then he must not exist. What good is faith? Don't work. So let's catch up for where we're at. We've been in this series for, this is our third message in this series, so let's kind of catch up. And our first message or, or, or two, we kind of talked about how, how biblical faith isn't what rescues us. It, it's what guides us. It what, it's what leads us. It takes us where, where he wants us to go. It's not some magical accumulation of, of faith that we can throw at life's problems. It's more like a map that we can use to navigate through them. The passage of Scripture is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That was actually the second one, wasn't it? The first one was more about, more about biblical faith and how it trusts God enough to do what he says. We looked at a passage of scripture in James that said, If we claim to have faith and don't do what God says, our faith is worthless. We also talked about how faith steps out, even when we're filled with fear and doubt. We get to the edge of that diving board, we get to the edge of that plank, and we go ahead and follow through and jump into the arms of an almighty God. Because we trust in his vehicle. We trust in what he's capable of doing. We must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When it comes to faith, it's very important to realize that immediate cause and effect, things that are going on right here, right now, is much less important than the eternal reward for correct decisions and faith in action. And that's where we're going this morning. Let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of who you are today. God, I thank you for giving us a place to meet. I thank you for all those that made an effort to be here this morning. God, I pray that as we worship together, as we listen to your word, as we pray, as we discuss, God, that we'll be able to be an encouragement to those who are around. God, not for our service, not for us uh, personally, but God, that we can share with others and pour into others and be an encouragement because of being here. God, I pray that as we leave, that we will be uplifted. We will be uh, uh, filled with your spirit to the point that we can live out our faith. God, please help us to realize that it's the end reward that we need to look forward to. God, thank you so much for this time once again. Pray that you'll bless us here. Pray that things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have this whole concept of this, the, the marshmallow principle. I've got a short video, and hopefully it'll play. I've uh, done some um, major mess-ups today trying to get this thing on, on the screen. Uh, we'll see if it'll work. Stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. 
do something and then I'll come back. It's yummy, yummy. I brought some marshmallows to share. So that anybody? Anybody like marshmallows? You guys like marshmallows? I don't know if we'll have enough to have two. Right, I don't know if we'll have another one because there may not be enough. Everybody get one? Who else? Anybody else not get one on this side that wants one? 
You get the whole effect if uh, you're actually eating one. But what's crazy is when you pop that bag open, that smell. I don't know how those kids did it. Well, obviously some of them didn't. What do you do when God doesn't seem to be showing up? When he waits to share those blessings? When he, he doesn't give right away? When it's a long time coming? Everyone around me seems to be being blessed and, and all I get is, is bad news. Where is God in this situation? We ask the question, why God? Why are you letting this happen? Why are you allowing this to take place? And here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Do I judge God's goodness by this life or by eternity? When I wonder about the goodness of God, do I base my feelings on the situation that I'm in right now or do I look at the cross? Do I examine the things that he did for me on the cross or do I think about how awful today is? Or how awful the particular situation that I'm in feels like? If I'm looking at my circumstances sooner or later, I'm going to turn on God. Because you know what? Sometimes this life is not going to give us everything that we desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19, it says, If our hope in Christ is for this life only... We should be pitied more than anyone else in the world. If our hope in Christ is for this life only, isn't that where we're at when we're feeling like, you know what, God's just not really showing up today. God's just really not blessing today. He's really not asking me for, for what I want. He's really not, he's not giving me what I'm asking for. It's the big reward that we're looking for. It's the whole bag of marshmallows that comes at the end of life that we're watching for. Faith isn't something that we gather and throw at our problems. Faith is trusting God enough to do what he says, even if we have to wait for that big marshmallow. I want to go through a couple of things that they didn't, they didn't teach us in Sunday school. They kind of left out when we were... And, and I know that I say this often about the whole Sunday school thing. I'm not putting down Sunday school teachers. Please don't get me wrong. I mean, please don't take it that way. Our Sunday school program is amazing. And it has been all the way through my life. Sunday school has been a, a monumental thing. But what I, when I say something like, well, like this was left out of Sunday school, I just mean that I think we need to take our learning and, and, and understanding of God's word a little further than what we got there in Sunday school. We learned a couple things about faith when we take a deeper look. What was left out? Well, it's where faith can lead us. And the first two seem very simple. Sometimes faith will, faith will lead us out of hardships. Yeah, that's, that's good. It'll lead us out of hardships, right? Faith will take us out of hardship. And oftentimes it'll do that. God gets us out of the deep weeds. He, he finds us there and he brings in his big bad weed whacker and he weed whacks us a way out, right? He gets us out of those hardships at times. 
But sometimes faith will also lead us through hardships. There's multiple, multiple stories about that type of thing. And, and they sell, right? You go to the Bible bookstore and there's lots and lots of books that have written, been written about people who have allowed faith to take them through hardships. But I think the one that was left out, I think the one that was not always talked about, was that sometimes faith leads us into hardship. I want us to look at a story this morning, and it's not going to be on the screen because it's a whole chapter. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a digital version, uh, whatever it is, please turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. If you've got an old school Bible and you can't just push a button, even if you can push a button, sometimes it's difficult to find Daniel. God put a table of contents in the beginning of your Bible so that it would help you find it. Daniel chapter 3. We find a story about three young men, and we're not sure where Daniel actually is during this particular story, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or whatever his name is, are in this situation. And they've been risen, or they have risen to the top of their class by doing multiple things, but one of those things is by putting God first place. And by doing what God wants them to do, even in the midst of turmoil. King Nebuchadnezzar is a hard man. And, and of course, it's probably not even him. It's probably his other advisors that are jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that actually set this up. Because that's how Daniel ended up in the lion's den, right? So let's look at it. Let's cruise through this story real quick. Daniel chapter 3, look at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. That's a big statue. This building right here is about 25 feet tall. So imagine three times that tall, and then some. That's a big statue. In the plain of Dur, in the province of Babylon, then he stood, sent messages to the high officers, uh, of, of officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officers, officials, rather, to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the, the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted, People of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn and all those other instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Everyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown in to a blazing furnace. I don't know why there was just happened to be a blazing furnace. I don't get that. I don't understand it. Someday I'm going to ask or someday I'm going to rent this one when I get to heaven. Going to have DVDs that we can watch what happened. I hope that it's like virtual reality. I just want to go join the, the, the deal and watch from a distance and find out what goes on. I wouldn't want to be one of the officials because I'd be in the furnace. Maybe. Depends on my faith that day. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Look at verse 7. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed, informed on the Jews. <laughs> they were tattling on him. They were tattletales back then too. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Of course they got to you know, build him up. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the instruments. That, that decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into the blazing furnace. 
like as if the king really needed to hear what he had said in the decree, right? He was there. He made it. He wrote it. He stamped it. He heard it said to all the people, but they, of course, wanted to make sure that they followed through. But there were some Jews, they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the god statue, the gold statue, rather, that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought to him. When they were brought, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? You refuse to serve my gods, to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. The little bell went off at the end of, at the end of Sunday school and we all went our merry way and we know that... Look at verse 18. Look at what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty... That we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith took them into the hardship. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. I want you to turn to the person next to you and... Show your most distorted, angry face that you've got. Turn to the person next to you. <laughs> it's hard to do when you're not mad, right? Just think about something they did earlier, right? It shouldn't be that hard. Come on. His face came distorted with anger. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. How do you get a furnace seven times hotter? I don't know. I don't know. You just put more wood on the fire, evidently. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because of the king in his anger, he demanded such a hot fire to the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell in to the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Some translations say the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came, that good king Benny came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and are, were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own god. Of course, he goes on change things up and ask that people serve 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God rather than him. But let me ask you this question. How many times in the Bible do we see people get thrown into a fiery furnace and God save them? How many times? Sunday school teachers, how many times does somebody get thrown into the fiery furnace and be saved? Once. How many people have lived since the beginning of time and have served God and have died for their faith? Lots of them, haven't they? We can't miss that. How many times throughout history did Christians get thrown into the arena with hungry lions and make it out alive? I don't know of any stories. There may be one or two here and there. By some miracle they were saved. But you know what? Most of them died. Even if it's obvious that you're going to be abused, injured, or killed, doing the right thing is where faith will lead us, even when it means death. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to thin the herd here. Okay, I'm really not. That's not the point, right? God does reward every one of those Christians who were eaten by lions and burnt at the stake. All of them got their reward. They ended up right next to Jesus Christ. Kind of our core basis for for this message is found in Hebrews chapter 11. And I don't know if I got this one up there or not. Hebrews chapter 11. And let's turn there because I'm going to refer to this a couple times before we're finished this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Turn there with me. From Daniel to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start reading in verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, like Daniel that we just heard, quenched the flames of fire. They lived through it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Ladies, how many of you received loved ones back from the dead? There was miracles in the Old Testament. There was great things that happened, right? But look at where he goes next. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Verse 37. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people were ripped on and they were judged for their lack of faith. Is that what your Bible says next? Were, there, were they judged for their lack of faith? 
What does verse 39 say? All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Do you believe that he will reward you for earnestly seeking him? Do you believe that he will reward you for earnestly seeking him? That's the question. Do you really believe that there's a reward waiting for you in heaven? Your life shows it. Whether or not you really believe that, are you being obedient? Is your faith in action? What are we doing to show that we believe that he is the ultimate rewarder? Are we making decisions on a daily basis? Are we, are we doing things Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that show that we believe that he is the ultimate rewarder? Church, it's faith in action. The young people in the video had to wait three minutes. They were given that marshmallow and they had to wait three minutes. That's when she came back in with that second marshmallow. You, the little kid that, that was so cute that smelled it first and then held his hand and he was going... He reminds me of a little boy in Cameron, or Castlin's class. His name is Lance. And uh, just a gem, just like that little man. And, uh, does some great things. And of course gets in trouble once in a while, but overall is a really good kid. He had to wait three minutes to, eat, to get to that other marshmallow. But you know what? It showed up. It was there as promised. And you know what? Sometimes it's three minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. That seems like, how long do you think it felt like to that little man? Probably felt like three years, right? It felt like forever. Sometimes it does. Sometimes the big bag of marshmallows seems like it takes forever to get here. Whether it's blessings here on this earth or whether it's the eternity that we're looking forward to. We don't manipulate God with faith. We follow him because of it. The second thing that was left out they didn't tell me in Sunday school is this. It's kind of what we've mentioned already, but it's, it's faith's great reward. Even faith's heroes didn't get all they were promised during their lifetime. Well, was Abraham faithful? If, if you had to answer the question, was Abraham faithful? Would you just say yes or no? Yeah, I think he probably was. You know, for, for the most part, Abraham was faithful. And was Abraham blessed? Yeah, he was blessed. But how long did Abraham have to wait? He had to wait a long time. He had to wait 25 years before God brought his first son. Well, maybe even longer than that, but from the time of the promise. And by then, everything was a complete disaster. And God had to perform a miracle in order to fulfill that promise. At that point, it took a miracle to fix it. You know, sometimes in my head, it's like, God, if you would just do it this way right now, it wouldn't take a miracle later. Why don't we just go ahead and get this done now? Let's just make this happen right now. Because later on, it's going to be a lot worse. 
Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. Look at it with me. All these people died still believing that God had promised what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. We're temporary. God's great reward isn't a temporary fix, however. These blessings here in this life are just, are just appetizers. They're just kind of the hors d'oeuvres to lead us up to the main event, the main dish. Have you ever gone to a, a dinner like that where there's lots of different courses and they keep coming out? And it's like, well, when are we going to get to the main one? It's like, I'm going to go easy on this one because I want that main one. Bring out the steak, right? Or whatever it is you like. The meal is coming. It's on its way. That bag of marshmallows is on its way. There's going to be times when we pray and we may not... He may not, he's may, he may not give us all that we're asking for now. All the people before us in Scripture. You know what? They, they all died. Do you think they wanted to? I mean, they look forward to, to death. Well, maybe some, but I think for the most part, most of them said, you know what, God, I'm not ready to go. We fear death. We, we don't look forward to it, really. It's sort of uncomfortable for us because we've never really dealt with it. For another reason, we were never really designed to die. We were designed to live forever. And it was sin that caused death. So it's uncomfortable. Even faithful Abraham had to wait. But they all got what they were promised. Look at Hebrews 11 again, verse 39. Down there in verse 39, it says, Those were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It had, they had to wait for it. Another place in 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, verses 6 through 9, it says, in, in all this you greatly rejoice, though, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. <clears throat> Healing, the perfect marriage, financial security, closing on your home, raising godly children. Is that what's the result of our faith? No. Look at what the result of our faith is. The result of our faith is the salvation of our souls. I understand my biggest problem is that I'm a sinner. There's many times when I, when I knew what I should do, what I should eliminate from my life in the face of Almighty God. And I've said, God, I, I don't care what you think. God, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do it my way. Don't look at me that way. You're in the same boat. 
we do that often. Anytime we go our way instead of God's way, we kind of push back and say, hold on a sec, God, I've got this. Faith is trusting God enough to do what he says, even when we don't agree, even when we may not understand it. It's doing the right thing in the midst of tumultuous times because, church, there is a reward. Don't base, don't base the goodness of God on what's going on in your life right now. Base your idea of what the goodness of God looks like by the cross, by what took place then and there. So we're going to wrap this all up with this powerful lesson from Job's terrible trial. Um, Job's a kind of a funny story. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. A lot of people know about it. Um, I would say most people, uh, if, if they're any type of religious individual, they kind of understand it then kind of grasp this story of Job. However, upstairs the other night, there's a very influential man. He's probably in his mid-50s, I would say. He's got grown children and grandchildren. He's the president of our board at Birthline. And um, he was talking about job. You know that book in the Bible, Job? And we thought he was kidding. We thought he was literally like joking. And we're like, you know it's Job, right? He's like, no, it's spelled Job, J-O-B. I'm like, oh no. And then it all came out. There's three Catholics on our board, and the rest are not. And so the ones that are not, and even the ones that were, started throwing, hey, Hey, dumb Catholic, you should open your Bible lobs in his direction. It was absolutely hilarious. And I, I honestly, I just felt bad for the guys. Like, and, and how can a 55-year-old guy not have heard of Job? It was amazing. But anyway, we won't, we won't give Sam any hard time. I've changed his name to protect his identity. We won't give Sam any harder time. But this story of Job really should be known by most people, right? It's, it's something that we, we all understand. And, and in this story, we find that, that faith led him into a hardship. God's having a conversation with the devil. And he says, you know, have you considered, have you considered my man Job? He's got it all together. He's the best of the best. And Satan says, you know what? It's only because you protect him. And then God says, okay, hurt him. Some people say, well, that's, that's why I don't want to follow this type of God. If that's the way your God is, I don't want to have anything to do with him. But you know what? Stories like this make me know that I just need to continue walking with God. We just need to continue walking with God. God didn't hide it from us. He didn't, well, he did from some who don't read their Bibles. (laughs) Poor Sam. God didn't hide it from us. He put it right there in the book. He said, you know what? That's Bible. Write it. He didn't hide it from us. This is the way God is. He put it in the book. So the hardship sets in. And Job says, naked I came and naked I will return, you know? He's sort of still sort of pretty positive about things. Then his wife comes in and tells him, you know what? 
you should just, you should just curse God and die. What's Job say? He says, woman, you're, you're talking like a foolish woman. Guys, by the way, don't ever quote that verse to your wives. It's not a good idea. Job chapter 13 and verse 15. Look at it with me. Job says, even if God kills me, I have hope in him. I will still defend my ways to his face. In the midst of God putting him through the worst possible trial known to man, he says, you know what? Even in God's face, I'm going to continue to serve, praise, and honor him. Job reaches two very important lessons. One, bad things happen to good people, right? If life is bad, God must be mad. <laughs> Sometimes it's what we say, isn't it? And especially if it's, it's bad happening to someone else, we say, oh, they must be in sin, right? The best of the best have bad things happen. We can't judge God's goodness by this life. We must judge God's goodness by the reward in eternity. So three phrases I want to send you home with. Number one, God is God and I am not. <laughs> That's the dumb moment of the day, right? God is God and I am not. We often, we often try to get God down to our level. We, we try to buddyfy God, right? We bring him down and we say, well, he's just kind of my friend here. He's just my buddy. No. God is still, yes, he's our friend, but God is still in control. He's got this. God reigns. He's still on his throne. <clears throat> Secondly, it will be okay someday. It will be all okay someday. He's still got this. He can handle it. He can bring us through it. And he will. And thirdly, so I won't quit. God is God and I am not. And it will all be okay someday. Therefore, I will not quit. That's the determination that I want you to make. One more passage of scripture to end with is Hebrews chapter 10. It's, it's right before this faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 35. It says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Church, that's a promise we can bank on. We can hope in that. We can have faith in that. God will follow through. Highlight that passage of Scripture in your Bible. Bookmark it. Whatever you've got to do. This week when it seems like life is never going to end. When it seems like that marshmallow is, that extra marshmallow is never going to come back in that door. When it seems like it is just a ho-hum kind of a life. Find this passage of scripture. 
do not throw away. This confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Doing the right thing even though it's tough. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Don't quit. Don't give up. But I will take no pleasure in those who turn away. But we are like those who turn away from God. And we are not like those who turn away and go to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. God is God and I am not. And it will all be okay someday. So I won't quit. Hold on to that marshmallow because there's bagfuls coming, right? There is. Sometimes it feels like we have to wait for a long time, but there are bagfuls coming. Trust in that. Go home and make some s'mores this afternoon, right? Because when you eat one marshmallow, you just got to eat the whole bag. It's yum. Except it probably gives you a stomachache, so I don't recommend it. Hey, there's still some left. How come you guys didn't eat those? Should have, eaten. Should, have, should have eaten them, man. I wouldn't have cared. Thank you for your attention this morning. I hope there's been some things that have been shared that, that, uh, that can bless your life, that you can, you can take home with you and um, help you make it through, through this week. All right. We've got some great things going on this afternoon, this evening. We've got a, a youth group happening at 5 o'clock. And uh, we will be doing youth group. However, we'll not be doing any of the other classes.